The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and we're here this week, as we are every single solitary week of the year, bringing you the information and education you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're going to try to tackle a topic that more and more people are hearing about and getting interested in. And yet that seems weirdly hard to grasp. I will, I will completely confess it took me a long time to grasp this strategy, but once I did, it was, uh, let's just say it's, it's been a significant part of my investing strategy over the last couple of years. That topic is wrap mortgages, wrap mortgages and to help me try to untangle this and explain it without visual aids, because that, of course, is the downside to being on the radio, is Mr. Dykes Bodiford, a name that should be familiar to most of you folks who are creative finance aficionados. Uh, Dykes started to learn about real estate and do it kind of on a part-time basis way back in 1980. And in 1992, after uh, leaving, you all can't see me doing the, the air quotes, but I'm saying leaving his corporate job, uh, got into the business full-time. He served as president of Georgia Rhea. He's written a number of home study courses about topics ranging from asset protection to IRAs to creative deal structuring. And he is one of the, I'm not even going to say one of the, he's probably the best known teacher and expert in the topic of wrap mortgages in America today. He's joining us by phone today. Dykes, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Thank you, Vina, for the opportunity. Well, I appreciate you being here because I know you have a super busy schedule, but um, I'd love it if you could fill in the blanks on that on that bio that I just uh, read to sure. listeners, because I mean, you have had a long career and it has gone a lot of different directions and has landed in a particular place right now. And I think we'd love to hear that story. Well, we'll keep it short. Uh, I started doing real estate part time. Uh, in 1980, I had a regular corporate job and I kept that corporate job for another 10, 11 years. 
before I left uh, permanently from working for somebody else. And in the meantime, I built up a portfolio and was always interested in the next thing down the road. So I was always studying uh, new techniques, new strategies, new creative deal structures, and talking to a lot of uh, regular investors, which is something that your local real estate club uh, provides for you. And I'd find people that I thought were very interesting. And then we'd have, I'd, I'd invite them to lunch or dinner or whatever. And we would spend hours sometimes talking about uh, different structures and, and deals that they'd done or they thought about doing. So I got interested in uh, uh, financing and uh, wraps come along with that. And I did some hard money lending. And uh, over time, I've done wraps, used wraps in that. And I've used wraps in uh, owning the real estate itself. Uh, probably the, well, I'll stop there, Bean. I'm not sure where you want to go. Well, so the you started out in kind of the mortgage world, I think because of the full-time job. Well, was- I really started out in, re- in rental, uh, but shortly thereafter, within a year and a half or so, I was buying notes uh, and making small loans. Back then in the 80s, uh, there was a lot of people looking for small uh, $2,000, $5,000 loans to do home improvements, and we didn't have all the restrictions on lending back then that we have now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that and o- got me into finance. And over time, that, that morphed into also mobile homes and also That's mobile right. home development, and then things have kind of come full circle for you, I think. I think it, as you're sure. sort of winding down the whole, you know, how hard do I really want to work? Thing, right, exactly. That it's it's back to lending and notes, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with that uh, impressive career uh, reveal behind us, uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about wrap mortgages what are they what do they mean why are they useful why might or might not they become more useful over the next couple of years you're listening to real life real estate investing we'll be back right after this welcome back to real life real estate investing i'm your host vena jones cox talking today to dykes bodiford about the weirdly difficult to understand (laughs) strategy of wrap mortgages. Uh, Dykes, you and I were talking before the show started about how like they, they seem sort of simple to get once you have really studied them. And especially once you've done one, That's right. but for most people, the, the process of just understanding them is, it's just, it's just not easy. And I'm wondering if maybe you could start by explaining wrap mortgages like you're explaining them to a third grader. All right. Well, first of all, you know what a mortgage is, and it's a security on a property for a note is the collateral um, a, a lien against the property. And the uh, first mortgage, the underlying mortgage, is just a regular old mortgage, nothing special, no special clauses, anything goes into it. So that mortgage could actually be an institutional mortgage that you took subject to, or it could be a owner care back finance mortgage, uh, or you could have uh, a friend uh, to actually put a first mortgage on the property. Then what you normally do, 
normal investors would go for a second mortgage after that if they needed additional money. So the priority would be the first mortgage. If you didn't pay that and got into trouble, it could foreclose and actually foreclose out the second. Or you could default on the second and they could foreclose and would be taking the first mortgage subject to. Well, the wrap, it goes one step further. It takes that second mortgage and wraps it around the first mortgage called the underlying mortgage. And that wrapping uh, is what the mag- where the magic comes in because it's a special type of loan. It's a regular loan modified to be a special type of loan such that the second mortgage holder, the wrap holder, is you're collecting payments for both mortgages at one time and one amount and then turning around and writing a check to the underlying mortgage. And therefore, it keeps the underlying mortgage uh, paid up. Okay, so let's let's break that down a little bit. You mentioned first mortgages and second mortgages, and that's right. as, as you said, that's that's what most people think, right? I, I bought that's a house, right. I bought a house subject to or with owner financing, or I got a, I even got a bank loan, or I got a private loan on it, whatever. But there's some gap now that I need to fill because maybe it needs work. Right, it needs forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of work to put it into service, and. What most people think is, well, I've got this first mortgage. I'll go get a second mortgage for that $50,000. And right. now I have two payments, right? I've got to right. make the payment on the first, and I've got to make the payment on the second. From a legal perspective, a wrap mortgage is a second. That is correct. It's the second priority position. That's the only reason we give mortgages names. It's just the priority position there recorded at in the courthouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the wrap is in second position. Right. But when you look at the terms of the wrap, it seems like I it's not that I borrowed the 50,000 I needed to fix it, but like I borrowed the 150,000 that included the first mortgage. If I have a first mortgage of 100, that wrap is going to say it's for 150. That is correct. That is so, correct. Now, now Vina, before we go too far, one thing that's going to confuse people is you were talking about having uh, owning the property and having a first mortgage and you needed additional money. Though that can be done with a wrap, it's not usually done that way because, as you say, it doesn't make sense. More often, this, the situation is you buy a property subject to a mortgage and you've, as part of the negotiations, uh, did all but promise the uh, seller that you would make their mortgage payment for them to keep their credit good. Mm-hmm. And you then uh, have bought the property subject to that first mortgage. Now you go along for a year or two and you decide, okay, this is not an area I really want to want a property to rent. So I think I'll sell this and move into another property uh, as a as to hold as a rental. Mm-hmm. And so then you say, okay, I got this equity in the property now, and the buyers aren't able to give me all of that equity. So I'll wrap the mortgage that I've got now because I want to control it and make sure it gets paid for that uh, prior seller that that, uh, is looking to me to take care of their mortgage. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I wrap that first mortgage with my equity and I collect a full payment. I pay the first mortgage holder the amount they're due and what's left over is is paid down against my equity that was uh, represented by the second mortgage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, in that example you just gave, 
you're you're wrapping the first for two or you're wrapping the first instead of giving your buyer who can't afford to pay all your equity to you uh for two reasons one is they don't have the cash to give you right. <laughs> to get to get down to that whatever that let's just use that let's just use that hundred thousand dollar first and we need fifty thousand dollar example again they haven't right. got 50 they've got 20 so they still yeah. owe you 30 in equity so you wrap the underlying $100,000 loan with a $130,000 loan, both to get your equity paid back to you and also to make sure you can keep your promise to the seller. That's because exactly we, right. we never, ever, ever assign someone else's mortgage. We never buy a property subject to and then just say, oh, Dykes, you want it here. Here's the deed. Because we don't know that Dykes is going to do what I said I was going to do which is make the payments on time. That's right. So a couple of different um, important concepts there. Now, the other thing, so we were talking about how people get confused because when this all comes together, they see $100,000 first, and then they see a $150,000 second, and they go, well, that's $250,000 I owe, and this house is only worth... 175. Yeah. <laughs> that's and then where... that's where the clauses come in that are added to the uh, second mortgage document to make it a wrap mortgage. And one of those uh, clauses says that uh, this is an all inclusive uh, debt instrument, including all underlying mortgages or specifying a particular underlying mortgage that it covers. Because uh, not to complicate things, you could actually have a first mortgage that you don't touch for some reason, and a second mortgage that you wrap. Mm -hmm. And with that second mortgage you wrap, you're only referencing that second mortgage because that's the only one you're paying. You're not paying the first. So you're actually in a third mortgage position in that case as a wrapper. Mm -hmm. And that that terminology you use, which I know is really common in the South where you invest that deed of trust states or security deed states, is language that we don't hear too much in uh, lean theory states, but uh-huh. I think it's a really important language, and that is all inclusive. You, go, you right. guys down there will call it an all inclusive deed of trust. No, I, I think that's California that uh, uses that term quite extensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still call it a wrap uh, loan down here, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just to clarify. But it, it might help people to think in terms of all inclusive. Yes. That, that, yes. Maybe it's just the word wrap that. <laughs> gets people you know maybe, I don't, maybe they're thinking of a burrito i don't know but <laughs> they, they I'm, not, I'm not sure that um the language all-inclusive isn't isn't clearer to folks who might be thinking about uh-huh. how to how to understand this so not only does the mortgage say the mortgage is for 150 and it includes the hundred thousand dollar underlying the note also says the payment is let's say there's a thousand dollar payment on the first and a five hundred dollar payment uh that would be due to the wrapper right so the payment is fifteen hundred dollars which is the total of the two payments together and and it will say but that fifteen hundred dollars includes the payment due on the underlying loan correct correct so from the position of the person doing the wrap I'm going to collect 1500. I'm going to send out a thousand and I'm going to keep the difference. And that's, that's my profit in the deal. That's right. And, and this might be a good time to say, 
I'm going to pay out that $1,000 as long as I receive the payment from the borrower, right? That's that's right, because uh, way back when, in the early 1900s, there were some court cases that said uh, that the second lien holder has an absolute obligation under uh, RAP mortgage to pay the underlying, whether they get paid by the borrower or not. And in order to mitigate that, uh, the clause started uh, to be used that says we will pay the underlying as long as the borrower is paying us. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what you don't want to happen is the borrower don't, doesn't pay you. You don't pay your underlying. You start a foreclosure and the underlying starts a foreclosure. And it's just whoever gets to the courthouse steps to <laughs> knock it off first. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what about that example that you gave earlier where you've bought a property subject to some seller's existing loan? Mm-hmm. And now you've wrapped it to the to to this new buyer who didn't have fifty thousand dollars down. Okay. And that that new borrower falls on hard times and stops paying you. In the real world, are you going to go ahead and pay that thousand dollar underlying in real, loan? In the real world, if uh, the payer just uh, hiccups on us and doesn't pay a month's uh, payment, uh, we're going to pay that underlying payment anyway. Because we, as determining to do the deal this way, had had, uh, satisfied ourselves that there was going to be enough equity in it to handle problems, a problem came along. So if uh, a borrower doesn't pay a monthly payment, we go ahead and pay the underlying because that stops any late fees from accruing that we have to pay later. And it also keeps the control of that first mortgage so that they don't start a foreclosure proceeding. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What if there's a second and third month of no payment from your borrower? Well, usually after the first month, we we get on it. We send them a letter, late letter, and then shortly thereafter, when at the date that we specify in the late letter, we send them a notice that we're going to uh, commence foreclosure. And we've uh, actually gone to the point of having an attorney write that uh, letter saying we're going to start foreclosure uh, because people listen to attorneys for some reason. They think they have uh, some power, <laughs> some knowledge that no one else has. Uh, and this this brings us back to something that we're always saying here on Real Life Real Estate, which is you aren't going to learn how to do this in a 60-minute radio show because sure. there's 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 other pieces that come in in a in a practical sense like do you know how to foreclose in your state if this situation were to happen to you? Do you know how long it takes to foreclose in your state if the situation were to happen to you? Because here in Ohio, if I wanted to keep my promise to that seller, that my seller, the one, you know, two sellers back now, I could expect to make, oh, eight to nine payments before the foreclosure actually happened uh, just to keep the payments up to date. In other states, you know, you can make two, three payments max and you'll be on the foreclosure steps. So, well, Vina, that's all part of determining that it's a good deal uh, when you go to sell it, that you do have the room to take care of whatever is going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in order to know that, you really have to understand the whole picture here. So, right. um, yeah, if you if you want to pursue these things, there's stuff you need to know about foreclosure and, and just generally about mortgages in the first place and how they work in your state. Uh, when we come back, we'll we'll get to... Like, where where is the real profit here? We've kind of been talking tech 
technicalities so far, and we're going to talk about how how they can how these wrap mortgages can be really useful to you. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Dyke Spotiford, trying to untangle the mystery of wrap mortgages. <laughs> And uh hope hope you guys are following along so far. If wrap mortgages are something that you have been interested in and you really want to kind of learn how they work and see examples of deals and, and literally see pictures, you might want to join us at the 2022 OREA National Real Estate Summit, November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. You got those dates, right? You're writing them down in your calendar so that you don't accidentally, I don't know, plan a wedding for that weekend or something, because this is the event every year where real estate investors from all over the country get together to learn strategies, build relationships, have fun, get away and focus on their business for a few days. You'll be hearing more about that. As time passes here on Real Life Real Estate Investing over the next couple of months, but Dykes is giving a full-on three-hour seminar on wrap mortgages on Sunday the 6th, and your trip would be totally worth it if that's all you came to see, even though we've got other awesome speakers like David Tilney on Master Leasing, George Antone on The Wealthy Code, uh, gosh, Randy, uh, Mr. Land Trust, Randy is going to be there talking about the use of land trusts. We've got uh, Robin Thompson doing an all-day seminar on Thursday the 3rd that she will she'll be talking about what she's doing right now, which is a combination of retailing and also Airbnbs. So good stuff coming up for that. Mark your calendars, November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Now, Dykes are, are discussion about what happens if things go wrong right yeah we were talking about the foreclosure you got some strategies that you can use in foreclosure it's not just all legal it's uh, some issues that you need to to consider and bring up Uh, one of which uh, is are you going to foreclose on just your mortgage are you going to foreclose on the property which requires the buyer to pay off the total amount it depends on your state most states, you can determine whether it's going to be a, a all cash for the full value of the property, the bid, the bid on the property, or if uh, you allow a mortgage to be taken subject to. Well, in this particular case, we have a prior seller's mortgage that we promised to keep paid up. We want it paid off in the in case of a third party buying at the steps, uh, so that because we'll lose uh, control of that mortgage if we don't. Um, but if, if it's uh, a property that you anticipate coming back to you because it, you got it uh, too highly leveraged or whatever, then uh, you may just uh, have the equity uh, bought out at the courthouse steps. Mm-hmm. So things like that. It's just consideration, practical issues that you have to deal with. So in, in what you're saying is in most states you can choose, am well, I from from second position – Am I saying I am I am foreclosing on the property, which means the high bidder gets the property free and clear, but also has to pay off both mortgages, both mortgages, yeah. or or am I just foreclosing from second subject to the first, which is risky potentially, because if you're not the winning bidder, somebody else could pay off your mortgage, but get the first mortgage subject to, which in the scenario we've been talking about means that 
your seller now has somebody unknown who is responsible for paying that second. And, right. and who knows, <laughs> who knows That's if right. that'll happen or not. All right. So we've, we've talked a lot about the technicalities, but the example we've been kind of walking through is not the only way in which wrap mortgages are like useful and handy to real estate investors to, to resolve situations that, that other things don't really resolve very well. So how have you found these useful in your lending business? Well, that brings up actually another point, and that is uh, what are the two advantages of using wrap mortgage? We spent time on the first advantage, and that is control of underlying uh, debt. But the second advantage is that typically, not always, but typically, the uh, debt on the wrap is higher percentage interest and maybe more points than that of the underlying. Mm -hmm. So you actually earn some money off that money uh, by the difference. For instance, if you had a underlying 7% mortgage and you wrapped it with a 12% mortgage, you would earn 5% on the total amount of the underlying, like the $100,000 example you had before, uh, you'd earn uh, 5% on the $100,000, that's $5,000 a year extra, and you'd earn a full uh, 12% on the money that you put in or the equity that you have in the wrap uh, loan. Mm-hmm. And this is where listeners should get out a spreadsheet or a financial calculator and figure out what the total uh, return on that mortgage actually is. Because when I first learned about these, I was like, well, it's 12 plus five, so it's 17. But you actually have to do a calculation That's right. because the, the smaller the amount of money you're putting in versus the amount on the first mortgage the the bigger the return that's right into and it's remember remember you can't eat uh percentage returns (laughs) you can eat dollars so sometimes you accept a lower return for more dollars or maybe over a longer period of time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i'll i'll tell you i'll tell you a quick story about the first wrap i did which was actually only i guess it's been two years now because it took me that long to grasp it even though i've heard you and Jack Miller and Pete Fortunato talking about them for years and years and years. Uh, I had a property that I'd owned as a rental for for quite a long time. And I, it just, you know, it was one of those properties that just never seems to perform, even though it should. I call those haunted houses because you're like, why can we not keep a good tenant? Why? It's a good house. So I decided given the market, it was probably time to go ahead and sell that property, a tenant had moved out, a tree had fallen on the roof. Um, <laughs> there was, there were some things, you know, Yeah. and uh, I put it on the market and I got an offer for 99 for uh, 90, $92,000 for the property from a rehabber. And I really wanted to sell it for 99. So I talked to the rehabber and I said, how are you going to finance this? And they said, Oh, we got a private loan at 12% interest. And I said, if I financed it at seven and a half, would you pay 99 for it? And they said, yeah, yeah, we'd do that. You know, they did their calculations and whatever. I had an underlying loan on that property at three and a half mm-hmm. that I wrapped. <laughs> so so their, their wrap, they actually put 10,000 down. So their wrap said that they owed me 89 and I owed the bank 40. 
And I wrapped that three and a half with my seven and a half. And my return was about what the private lender was going to be getting, but their payments were much lower because if they'd borrowed it all from the private lender at 12, it would have been, you know, a a much bigger monthly nut for them to cover. So there's all sorts of interesting ways to use this. And I know that uh, your daughter has actually uh, made quite a little side business for herself. And in fact, I think has written a course on the topic about uh, doing these things in your self-directed IRAs. Certainly, it's self-directed IRAs or 401ks. You can certainly use the wrapping uh, strategy to earn some good money. And uh, Dorsey, just real quick, she got out of college in 2011 and decided she didn't want to be in uh, inside in an office working for somebody else and wanted to try the real estate. So to build up uh, some funds, she did quick turn properties for a while and build up a nice little uh, stash of cash. And she got enough rentals that uh, she was kind of getting to a plateau. And uh, so I was doing private lending and I asked her if she was interested in uh, learning something about the loans. She was kind of lukewarm about it until I showed her what kind of returns she can make with a wrap (laughs) structure. So uh, she started making uh, loans uh, because of her experience with the rehabbing. She knew values. And uh, she's been able to do quite a few loans over the years with several different uh, people on the underlying notes. Uh, this is not uh, loans that were made by an institution. They're made by individuals that wanted a part of the pie in a private lending situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hope we don't have the time, I don't think, to cover it today. But I hope that when you're at the National Summit on November 6th, you're going to show some examples of how people can take relatively small amounts in their IRAs and kind of use it to balloon that IRA. Cause there's, you know, there's a lot of people who are facing the problem of I started my IRA late, mm-hmm. I've made my maximum contributions, but I don't have enough money to quote, do anything. <laughs> because right. I've right. only got $12,000 in my IRA. Well, that's actually plenty of money to go look for situations where you could use that uh, to wrap mortgages and give people money to, you know, do whatever they need to do, down payment, repair costs, whatever. And uh, once you kind of grasp that, you start grasping the idea of let me go find potential private lenders who, for whatever reason, they're like, they don't, they don't do it themselves. Like maybe they don't know how to evaluate properties, or maybe they don't, maybe it's in a city that they're not familiar with or something. And use their money as the underlying and wrap it with my money. And then, boy, the world just explodes for you. That's right. There's there's all kinds of opportunities out there to do things like that. But as you were well aware, Vina, that is also an opportunity to generate a scam or just uh, someone not knowing what they're doing to really lose other people's money in addition to their own. Oh, yes. So they've got to be careful, really knowledgeable of what they're doing. Yeah, you have to be the one who has the expertise. Right. (laughs) All right. So uh, after the break, we're going to come back to how IRAs might be useful to you as a or IRAs, wrap mortgages might be useful to you as a borrower. And also what might happen in the wrap world as interest rates continue to increase. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about wrap mortgages with Mr. Dyke Spotifer from Assets 101. 
He is going to be speaking at the 2022 National Real Estate Summit. His particular presentation is on November 6th, but you should be there on the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. So mark those dates on your calendar. Um, so Dykes, let's, uh, we, we talked about, you know, there's real potential here for people who know real estate, know how to evaluate deals, know how to not put, put other people's money into bad deals, which is worse than putting your own money into bad deals. And then using smaller amounts of money to help rehabbers rehab or housing providers provide housing or whatever and get very large returns relative to the amount of money that you put in. What about people who are borrowing money and might be thinking, well, what has this got to do with me? I need $50,000, but like, why would I set up a wrap mortgage on on this money that I need? Well, there's a couple of answers to that question, uh, one of which is uh, one that you might run into from time to time if you're buying rental properties and holding on to them, uh, any kind of long-term property that you're looking to buy to hold on to. If the seller is reluctant to let you take his loan subject to, you could uh, draw out this wrap form and educate him on it, and he may just uh, allow you to uh, buy the property with the, uh, with the loan that's in place already and him taking the wrap position as long as he knows what to do and why to do it. And if you're uh, ethical and you make your payments, uh, you you can have a good lender there uh, going down the road as well when you show that you can you will do what you say you're going to do. The deal after the deal. So That's right. he leaves his mortgage in place, but now you're paying him so that way he knows that his underlying mortgage is being paid because he's the one paying it (laughs) exactly and uh what if he doesn't pay it that's that's the other fear people have is being you know being the borrower in a wrap and paying the seller and what if the seller's like oh look fifteen hundred dollars i'm just going to keep all of that and not pay my thousand dollar mortgage well that's another one of those special clauses in the wrap mortgage that you have and that special clause says that if at any time uh, the wrap holder doesn't make the underlying payment and the bar has made the payment for that month and the wrap holder doesn't make the underlying payment, that the, the bar has the right to um, apply the amount that was paid to the uh, wrap holder to the wrap portion, the wrap equity in the, in the loan. Mm-hmm. So, the good part from the bar standpoint is he's got, uh, he owes um, both the underlying and the mortgage holder, the wrap holder rather. And if, uh, if one of them doesn't get paid, there's plenty of room for him to step in, contact the underlying and say, I'll pay you directly. Mm-hmm. And so he can break it up and pay each one directly if that situation occurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've paid three payments, 1500 discovered that the underlying loan hasn't been paid. Well, guess what, Mr. Rapper, you were only owed 500 a month and I have, you've kept 4,500. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you've been paid for the next nine months. His been paid down by $4,500. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm going to start making the payments directly to the underlying. And also I'm going to, you know, I'll start paying you that $500 when we run out of the 4,500 that I've already Uh prepaid you. So there's always ways, you know, people have these fears, but there's always ways to contractually put something out there that says, if this happens, then this happens. And And you can mitigate that to a large extent by doing your due diligence up front, as far as who the buyer is that you're 
dealing with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are. So another another useful thing when you're a borrower is to think about is it better to go ahead and pay the rates people want on second mortgages? Because private lenders I know they're not doing second mortgages at eight percent. No. They're doing it mm-hmm. 12%, 14%, 16%, right? Because right. it's, a, it's a riskier position. That's right. But sometimes... There's a lot of work that goes into having a mortgage behind a first, whether it be a second, third, fourth. Each one gets progressively more risky, mm-hmm. which is why the interest rate is a partial um, balance to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not total, but partial. Yeah, second second lenders aren't being greedy. They're pricing their risk. That's right. Is what they're doing. But sometimes there are situations when it would be better to have a lower rate on the entire amount, including the first mortgage, than it is to have a higher rate on that second mortgage. I mean, you could just do the math and say, if I add payment A to payment B, it's 2000. But if I let the second wrap the first at seven and a quarter, which still gets him the 12% he wants because my first mortgage is so low, then my payment is more manageable. And I, I had a situation like that recently where I was buying a, what for Cincinnati is a very expensive house. It was a, you know, $400,000 total investment. And it just didn't, it just didn't carry a payment at even 8%, much less 12%. And uh, I set up a situation where somebody wrapped a 5% first mortgage with like a six and a half percent second. Yeah. And that got me all the money I needed and a payment that was really reasonable and still got that second mortgage holder a double digit return Good. on their investment. So you know, think creatively about these things, folks. Uh, okay, so I put out a call on Facebook for questions from listeners, Dykes. And one of the ones that we got was, do you let the first mortgager know that you are wrapping his mortgage? Not necessarily. Um... Obviously, with a big institutional lender, you don't want to upset the apple cart in that case. Uh, and who would you talk to anyway? Um, but they've already probably sold that that mortgage off to some pool on Wall Street. Um, if it's a smaller lender that uh, is in the area, you might want to tell them that's what you're doing. Uh, there's nothing that they can really say other than they're going to foreclose or they're going to call the loan. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they can certainly they have the prerogative to do that. And we're not going to get into what, what loans are enforceable to the deal and sell calls and what's, which aren't, because that's another whole uh, couple of radio shows there. <laughs> yes, it is. But, uh, but just understand that, uh, that keeping that first mortgage holder informed is a good thing for you. So that if uh, somebody doesn't pay, for instance, you might want to let uh, an individual first mortgage holder know, hey, I'm paying you this month, but I hadn't gotten paid. And I'm sending them a late letter and we're going to start a foreclosure procedure if they don't pay up by the first of next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't ever let uh, tenants or buyers get uh, very far behind because the further they get behind, the less chance you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. That question was from Prentice. You know, Prentice. Oh, uh, Yes. We have another a question from Dan. He says, do you use a mortgage servicing company to send to have the borrower send the payments to? And of course, the servicing company would be responsible for paying the first, paying the second, paying any escrow, et cetera. Right. I don't for individual loans that we make or loans we make to companies. 
but if there's a, a IRA involved, uh, typically would want to do a service company, mm-hmm. uh, especially if the IRA was the wrap holder on on the, the deal. Uh, the IRA can't get in that underlying mortgage and turn around and write a check out uh, uh, practically, and in some cases it might be a, a, a prohibited transaction depending on who the underlying holder is. All right. So you just taught me something. Thank you. Uh, so Dan's second part of that question is, if you are use, using a servicing company, who would pay the fee for the servicing company? Typically, uh, in the olden days, when they did use a lot of servicers, the borrower would always pay the servicing company. Uh, but that's a negotiable item, uh, depending on what you feel and how much you're earning on the deal, if it makes sense for you to even do that. Mm-hmm. All right, Dykes, in one minute, interest rates are going up. They seem like they're going to keep going up. Do you think wraps are going to become more known and more common as that happens and why? I think the more low low interest rate mortgages come out on the market as a part of a sale of a house with a good 4% or less homeowner type mortgage on it, that uh, investors want to take subject to, the wrap makes a lot of sense. Um, for sellers and for buyers, it can work both ways. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think there'll be more use of the wrap, but there's so many different ways a wrap can be used. You'd have to go through each strategy and say, does this work in a higher interest rate market or not? And that's just something you determine as you look at the deal. Excellent. Well, Dykes, we very much look forward to getting to see this with examples and three hours to talk about and all that sort of stuff at the National Real Estate Summit coming up here in Cincinnati, Ohio on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Appreciate your time today. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <music>